This podcast series is brought to you by Elekanyani Ndlovu. For more details, visit elekanyani.com. My name is Elekanyani Ndlovu and welcome to Manifesto. In life, we undertake many journeys, spiritual journeys, journeys of love and matters of the heart, and journeys of self-discovery. My journey with Who Manifesto is part of my lifelong journey of self-expression. This lifelong journey consists of many experiences. Who Manifesto is one of those experiences. The story of how I ended up studying engineering. Where do I start? I think ultimately you end up where you end up because of a lot of factors. I am one of seven children. I'm child number five. My parents believed in education. There was just this expectation that you will go to school, you will go to university, and you will not be a burden on anyone. I sincerely believe that it is that expectation that has propelled me to do better. My mother didn't go to school. She learned to read and write in her adult years. Her father died when she was very small. And with that, there really was no focus on her education, being a girl child. She spent a lot of time babysitting relatives' children instead of being at school until such a time when her brother hooked her up with my dad. My father, on the other hand, left school to go work because his father got sick and couldn't work anymore. So to take care of the family, he needed to work. And by some wisdom, he decided to take his siblings through school. And through that, he was able to see firsthand that education gives you some form of freedom from poverty. The two of them witnessing that change, that impact that education had on that generation, they were so committed to having children that go to school, that love learning. I was fortunate to secure a bursary from Sasol. When that happened, I was thrilled. I was over the moon because I knew that I can choose to go anywhere in South Africa. And I chose to go to Cape Town. I wanted to go as far away as possible. I felt that I needed to be away from the expectation, away from my environment, away from my parents. And I'd always wondered which of my decisions were my decisions and which of my decisions were because I wanted to make my parents happy. And somehow in me, I knew that if I am going to be a functional human being, I needed to figure out which decisions were mine and which were not. And I remember when I was about to leave for Cape Town, the speech that my father gave me, a very long speech. The speech he gave was that I must remember that he won't be there and therefore mutu, enemune. And that means everything is within you. It's all up to you. It's your decisions. It's your life. You have to remember why you're going to Cape Town. With each decision, you need to be able to say what it is you're choosing and why you're choosing it. And so the journey with engineering began. I was so excited. We drove down with my cousin and her parents. I got there. I had res. I was staying at Fuller Hall. 
The views from Fuller were incredible. I love lights. I love city lights. They just they just look to me like a promise of hope, a promise of something far that you can see and reach. I moved into a room that was facing the view of the city. That was just freedom. I had a bed to sleep on for the first time ever in my life because we slept on mattresses on the floor. So being there was an incredible experience. I just held on to it with every single bit of me. And I think it's in that excitement that I explored, I I made new friends. Then the academic year started and at the end of that year, I had failed. I was so crushed. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't process it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what went wrong. And the reality of studying engineering kicked in. It had been hard the whole year. The volumes of work, it was just a lot. Nothing had prepared me for that level of excruciating volumes of science and maths and electronics and all of it. I think I was so shaken that when I got home, my father told my siblings to watch me because he was worried that perhaps I would take my life. I was not having plans to take my life, but I was questioning my intelligence. I was questioning what went wrong and how come I failed these courses because I just never do. I did well in school. And failing was just not something that happened to me. And someone along the way said to me, we all fail, it does not matter. What matters is that you get up. Engineering was hard and failing was not a pleasant experience. So you would think that I would make different choices. I didn't necessarily make choices that supported my studying. I made choices that supported my exploring the adventure of being there. So instead of doing just the one thing, which was to study, I coached netball with a friend of mine. I worked at reception at the school residence. I worked at the hospital at some point. It wasn't until Sasol threatened to take my bursary away that I had to wake up to the fact that I have to grow up and take responsibility. And I remember I was so panicked. I organized a meeting in Rosebank with the head of HR that was responsible for our bursaries. And I took my father to this meeting and I said to this man, you cannot take this bursary away from me because this man that's sitting right here does not deserve that. I promise I will focus. I will do what needs to be done and I will reprioritize and realign my activities to support my graduating. But he cannot have another child added to his list of children that he's taking through school. He just can't afford it. And so I'm asking that you do it for him and that I understand the impact of my choices and I will, I will focus. And so he said to me, that's fine. We won't take it away from you, but we will not give you money for a semester. I was embarrassed. I was bruised. And I knew I had to mature and focus 
and develop a sense of discipline. For a little while there, I wondered if the problem was that I did so much. I explored. I concluded that that wasn't the problem. The problem was that that's all I did. What I had also recognized was that I was never just going to focus on school alone. And I needed to make that work with coaching netball, waitressing, volunteering at Kailicha. I was always going to be that person. And I didn't want to lie to myself. And during that time, I was reading a book by Oriah Mountain Dreamer called The Invitation. She talks about her journey with cancer and she poses the question, what do you do when faith and hope are no longer enough? When you are so sick and in pain and yet you have to get up and live life, what do you do when hope and faith are no longer enough? And her answer to that started me on a journey that I have been truly grateful for even today. She said that when faith and hope are no longer enough, what helps you is routine. Because if you get into a routine of doing the things that fill you up, the things that are right, the things that are good for you, and you do them anyway, whether you feel like it or not, the routine will take you back to the right feelings where eventually you feel hopeful, you have faith, and eventually you feel like it. My solution to this was to say, I need to develop a routine that allows me to explore and still be able to do that which I have to do and need to do, which was to graduate with an engineering degree. I got into a routine. I fought with the head of department to not let the courses I was carrying impact my ability to do the next courses. I added one extra year to the degree and I carried second and third year courses while I was doing my final year. It was a lot of self-talk around, you can do this. If you just focus, you can do this. And I did. My final year project was a speech recognition project where I had to do a speech recognition program that would recognize Chivenda and convert it into text. I got a first class pass for that thesis and I was so relieved. In my first job, my manager called me hot potato. I was thinking to myself, I'm not a hot potato. But as you continue to work, you realize it's not cute to be called a hot potato just because you raised a few sensible issues that you felt needed to be addressed. I wanted to leave engineering. I had applied for a completely different role in a completely different environment and I had gotten that role. When the lady who had interviewed me called me to say, you have done very well in all your interviews and all your your assessments we will be sending you an offer i went and told my boss i said to him i have to tell you this because i'm really grateful for the opportunity he had sent me for on-job training in the united states at the time and i recognized that that was such a privilege and such a wonderful opportunity the least i can do is to tell him that i have made a decision to leave 
even before this offer letter gets to me. So I did, out of respect and complete gratitude. I went and told him that I will be leaving and they have called me to confirm and I'm just waiting for the offer letter. I left that room feeling great about the decision to talk to him openly and share. The call came to tell me that there have been internal arguments around whether they should take me for that role because I'm young. My age is a problem. I was so shattered. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know how to respond to that or how to react to that. And then it hit me that I have to go back to my boss and tell him that I'm not leaving and hope that we can actually continue having a healthy working relationship despite the fact that I had wanted to leave. With my tail in between my legs, I went and I told him that I'm not leaving. I was just so shaken that I needed to figure out where I was and determine where am I and where do I want to go. It was the most excruciating reflection I have ever done. And during that process, one of my mentors said to me, you know, you need to get to a point where you don't run away from things. When you leave something, it must be because you are going towards something, not because you're running from something, because whatever it is you're running from will find you wherever you're going. I needed to figure out why am I running? What am I running from? Am I running? I concluded that I was running. I was running because it was hard. I was running because I was outnumbered. I was running because I had started wondering if I'm smart enough. And I think it was at that time that I remembered my father's words, Mutu Enemune. It was at that time that I remembered that Vasit itself was not particularly a bed of roses. I made a decision. I remember saying to myself, I am going to stay because it's so hard and I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to stay because I'm outnumbered because no other girl should ever have to feel like this. I'm going to stay. I am smart enough. And if I put my mind to it, I can master these subject matters and I can contribute and make a difference. And I stayed. The relief of making a decision of not having these potential jobs and potential environments that I could potentially go into and potentially be great at. But I was not doing and I was just tired of the potential and I wanted to be where I am and really be there, apply myself and do it. So I chose to trust myself and I was open to being there. In a few months, I did not feel outnumbered because I made friends with the guys on the team and they were amazing, incredible people, old and young, open to teaching, to coaching, to showing me the ropes. I worked long hours. I would stay at the office until midnight and the next morning I would take a list of questions to the guys that were helping with coaching me. I would listen to the language, to how they speak. I would read. I just worked. I started building up enough 
to have a conversation and to ask questions, enough understanding to ask the right questions, I started building up enough to take on a bit more work, a bit more responsibility. What you hope for is that hard work and the decision to be there is enough. But it's not enough. And I remember on one of the projects that I had picked up after maternity leave, I was so excited to take on this project. I worked so hard on it and I produced this feasibility report. I would wake up and leave Joburg to go to site and I'd be there at 7 a.m. I'd be on site three days a week, drive 200 kilometers one way to get to site. And when it got to concept stage, I had to give a presentation to all the stakeholders. I had worked so hard. I was so sure and so confident that this concept will be approved and we will all be moving to basic design and this project can get moving. This old man in the meeting told me, I must not come here with my nonsense that is going to kill people at the plant and that he has been working for 30 years. I was mortified. Because I'm sitting there thinking, what? Kill who? The whole point of this project is to avoid exactly that. He ripped me to pieces. I was so shocked at the aggression, at the sensationalism that I cried. I couldn't hold my tears back. Fortunately for me, one of the senior guys in the room said to this gentleman, Sir, did you read the document? Because if you read the document, you wouldn't be saying what you're saying. And he hadn't. He hadn't read the document. My heart sank even more because then I just went into complete confusion. The meeting stopped and we all agreed to reconvene. My greatest takeaway from that and I've carried it throughout my career, is that it's not enough, especially in an environment where there are biases. It is not enough to work hard. You have to work hard and maybe twice as hard, but you also have to understand the dynamics of what it is you're dealing with. I hadn't engaged him as a stakeholder. I hadn't recognized him as a stumbling block to my project. And I had done nothing to understand the dynamic of a young black female just waltzing into an environment and thinking that they can come and change that environment. I hadn't processed any of that. That led to a lot of growth for me as a person, as an engineer, as a leader. There is no all or nothing. There is no, I've worked hard, my decision makes sense. My concept design makes sense, therefore you must accept it. It doesn't work like that. I've learned that change is hard for everyone. And it's even harder for you who's trying to effect the change. So the next day, I went back to site. I greeted the old man. And I requested to sit with him and take him through the entire design so that I can answer all his questions and we can address his concerns. We did that's the dynamic I've learned to deal with. To see through the aggression and to engage human to human as far as you can and see what happens. See if you can correct a misunderstanding. If you cannot teach them that you're just human 
working hard, trying to contribute like everybody else. Engineering really was my freedom. My freedom to leave home and go somewhere else where I could explore. It was the freedom from poverty. I remember when we drove down, my mother had to stay behind because the car, which was my uncle's car, was full. And financially, it made sense for us to go with them. When I graduated, the first thing I wanted to do was to make sure that my mother flies to Cape Town. It was their first flight anyway. And I bought that ticket and booked them into a BNB and borrowed a car from a friend of mine to drive them around and show them Cape Town. And that was the beginning of the privilege that will come with having an income. The movie Sarafina, where Mrs. Masumbuka, the teacher, is talking to Sarafina and she's asking her, what do you want? And Sarafina answers eagerly and very quickly, freedom. And she says to her, freedom is just the beginning. Think bigger, like your idea for the school play. The prison door opens. The prisoner walks free. What then? Then it hit me. Engineering is not my freedom, but I have to engineer my freedom. Being an engineer has taught me to work with what I have and work with the seeds that I have. Doesn't matter where I am, what I'm trying to achieve. The first question I ask myself is, what do I have, where are we, and how can we work with what we have in the context we have it in and move ourselves forward? With that came discipline because it's hard. You have to apply yourself. You have to learn. You have to learn fast. You have to be committed. It's specialized knowledge. You have to be disciplined. You have to be committed and you have to be consistent. What I've also come to accept is that how you see the world also matters. What you believe also matters. How you see yourself matters and what you tell yourself matters greatly. Every time I said, I think I should leave because maybe I'm not smart enough, I was right. And every time I stayed and applied myself, I was right. And I have the results of my career to show for it. I also know that it matters that there are others like you in your environment. Last week, I was attending a webinar and there was a young lady from a high school that was part of the panel and this young lady expressed how it's all just so terrifying. The stories are that it's hard, the environment, it's mean, it's hostile. Why would they want to get into something like that? And she's right. We forget to tell the stories of how awesome it is as well. Along with the challenges, it's not all or nothing. It is great. You do amazing, life-changing work. You work with amazing, intelligent human beings. And if you're there, if you're present for the ride, you grow tremendously. The thrill of commissioning a plant, of getting your design approved, of getting the budget you need to do your project. There were so many lessons, so many stories along the way. And I just hope that these few stories that I've shared 
will help you to reflect on your own journey and marvel at the great things you have done, the obstacles you have overcome, and the joy your work has brought you. To be able to do what you desire to do, you need commitment. And commitment means time. Next week, I will be talking to you about why it matters when you wake up. I would love to hear from you. Please share your thoughts, ideas, and experiences with me on erendlovu.com or send an email to womanifesto at erendlovu.com. Until next week, thank you and God bless.